Good morning, New Hope. We're so glad that you're here. Today, we're in part seven of a message in a series called Knowing the True God. And we've been systematically looking at the attributes of God and what God is really like. Here's a question to kick off this morning. How much can you trust a person? How do you figure that out? Well, you can trust a person only to the degree that you know the person. And that's why we spent seven weeks, the last seven weeks, talking about knowing the true God. And that's helpful because the more you know God, the easier it is to trust him. Now, in order to trust somebody, you must have three things in a relationship. Number one, you must know that that person you trust, or you're going to trust, is going to tell you the truth. That's critical, because without that, you ain't got nothing. Number two, that the person must be fair, and that they, they must do what's right. They mean what they say, and they say what they mean. And then number three, a person that you trust must be reliable, they must be dependent, if you're going to develop a sustaining and a sustained relationship of trust. Psalm 33 verse 4 on your outline says that those three characteristics that we've just looked at there are actually attributes of the character of our God. Here it is, Psalm 33 verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. You may want to circle those three character attributes of the true God. Right, true, and faithful. Last week, we looked at the sovereignty of God. And God is in control. And then he can do anything. The question this morning is, is there anything that God cannot do? Well, there actually are some things he cannot do. There'll be at least three. Number one, God can do no wrong. He cannot do wrong. The Bible says that he is just and he always does what's right. He does what is fair. Number two, God cannot lie. He always tells the truth. And the Bible says that he is holy. He is completely different to any other person that we know. And number three, God cannot break a promise. He says what he does and he does what he says. The Bible calls that God's faithfulness. Now, if you'll firmly grasp those three characteristics of God, that he's holy, that he's just, and that he's faithful, then you'll have no problem in trusting God, even when you don't understand what's going on around you, and even when things feel strange and they are difficult. Now, the greatest example of God's faithfulness is, without a doubt, the nation of Israel. We see thousands of years of history of that. God continually made promises to Israel. And he fulfilled them. Joshua chapter 21 and verse 45 says, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. So to Israel, faithfulness was one of God's most important attributes and qualities. What again? He says he will do. And he promised, for example, Abraham a son. He promised that. He delivered on it. He promised Israel uh, Israel, a land of their own. It was called the promised land, and they got it. He promised them that a Messiah for the entire world would come through them, and he did. His name was Jesus. So the point is, not one of those promises or any promise that God makes failed. They are 
100% accurate. So God proved himself reliable time after time. And he, one of his attributes is he is consistent. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says this. He is the faithful God. You might want to circle that. You're going to hear that word a lot today. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant to a thousand generations. He's been faithful to Israel over and over, and he keeps his word. Now that's back then, history. What about today? Well, Psalm 145 verse 13 says this. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. Doesn't matter whether in the past, whether today, or whether they are prophecies into the future, they will never fail. So God has made to you, though, and me, some very personal guarantees. And he's actually put them in writing. He hasn't just spoken about them, he's written them down. And today I want to pull from the scriptures at least six of them, amazing guarantees that God has promised to you, things that you can count on in turbulent times. Because when you look around this world, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But one thing you can do is you can count on these six things. Number one, you can depend on God to forgive your sins. You can depend upon God to forgive your sins. 1 John 1 9 says this, if we confess our sins, and that's a conditional promise, if we confess our sins, we own up. He is faithful, there's that word again, and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all, that's a beautiful word, all unrighteousness. So in that verse, I suggest you circle faithful and just, two characteristics that God guarantees your forgiveness. So God says, my forgiveness, remember, is not based upon who you are, but on who I am. And in every promise, there's a premise, which is a condition, and God says, if you do this, then I'll do that. And in this verse, the premise is, if you confess your sin to God, the promise is, God will forgive. Now, does the verse say anything about, notice carefully, you working for your forgiveness? Well, no, it doesn't. Yet, it's our human nature to try and earn our forgiveness from God. And we sometimes will try and bargain it. And we'll say, God, if you just forgive me this one more time, I promise I'll never do it again. Ever said that to God? I know I have. Sometimes we'll try and bribe God and we'll say, well, if you forgive me, I'll type 20% or I'll read my Bible every day or I'll talk to that person at work about you. So we try and bribe God sometimes or sometimes we'll just beg God, please, 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 please forgive me as if you had to wring it out of God and try and convince him to forgive you, to bring it to the surface of his heart. Friend, you do not need to bargain, you do not need to bribe, and you do not need to brag. You need to confess, according to the scriptures, and admit your sin to God, and then he says, I will forgive you, which is a beautiful promise. He's faithful, and you can count it. So I can depend upon God to forgive my sin. Number two, I can depend upon God to give me guidance. I can depend upon God to give me guidance. That's a promise. 
So when I don't know what to do, which is quite often, the Bible says he will guide me. He's a shepherd. He guides his sheep. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. In that scripture there, you may want to circle, he will show, because that's a promise. The premise is, trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord. So many times in your life and my life, we'll be facing questions like, what am I going to do? It may be a big crisis, or it may just be a decision which is hard and difficult. But you'll ask yourself, what am I going to do? Now the question is, who do you look to? Now sometimes it's a bit comical, but it's also very sad. Some of the things that people look to for their guidance. Some people will look to fortune cookies, or reading tea leaves, or horoscopes, or astrology, or other esoteric and false and unreliable things. But there's only one completely reliable source of guidance, and that is God. He's the only one who can see into the future. Nobody else can. He is the only one that has complete perspective from when you are born to how you live, your purpose for living, and how you're going to spend eternity with him in his family and future. He has perspective, and therefore he can help you out. So the question then becomes, okay, I accept that. If God's God, he can see the future and he has perspective. So how do I get guidance into my life? Well, let me give you two ways. Number one is through the inerrant word of God, through the Bible. And as you read the Bible and you study its principles, God's principles, you become more and more acquainted with the character and the ways in which God deals with people. Here's how it goes. God's will is revealed in his consistent character in his word. So if you're not reading the Bible, friend, don't expect to get much guidance. The world will not give it to you. Number two, you can get good counsel through godly people who know the word of God, through godly counsel. Christians who know the Bible. Now be careful. What I mean by that is those principles, they know where those verses are, that you don't know where they are. And they can say, well, the Bible says this about that particular situation. And it brings, shines God's light down into your situation and into your life. So God says you can first of all count on me to forgive your sins and also to give you guidance. I'm faithful. Number three, I can depend upon God to settle the score. God is faithful. I can depend upon God settle the score. Now, when you read the newspaper, do you ever feel like, man, that is not right. That is not fair. You know, you read about some joker who gets off scot-free on some technicality in the law. Well, my response to that is, you're absolutely right. It is not fair. But friends, here's the deal. Life can be rough down here for a while. It's not necessarily fair. There's no perfect justice done here on earth. And God never said in his word that life on earth would always be fair. And why is that? That's because we live in an imperfect world corrupted by sin. And that's where people do wrong things. And therefore, innocent people get hurt. This is not our home. That's why one day God is going to settle the score 
And this is important to remember. There is a heaven and there is a hell. On one day, there's going to be a judgment when God is going to settle the score with perfect knowledge and perfect justice. But there's also going to be rewards. So when you face a hurt, do you ever find yourself wondering or wanting to get even with that person? In other words, get revenge. Now, the world uses the idea that a guy that used to run Ford Motor Company put into gear and he popularized. And he said this, he said, you don't get mad, you get even. Friends, that is exactly the opposite of what God's word says to do. That's the wrong way to live. That's a lousy philosophy. Instead, look at this, Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never avenge yourself. Leave that to God, for he has said he will repay those who deserve it. So what he's saying there is, don't try and get revenge yourself. Don't even try and get even yourself. You get on with serving and loving Jesus and let God take care of it. He is much more well-equipped, fully versed with the facts, and he will repay those who deserve it. So when you put down, you think, I don't deserve that, or you're hurt, or you're stabbed in the back, you didn't see that one coming, or you're maligned, and people spread rumors about you that just aren't true, how do you respond to that? Here's how we do as Christians. You let God settle the score because God is in control. God gives you two options when you hurt. You can defend yourself, and you can try that, or you can let God defend you. Read the scriptures to see what the great heroes of faith did. If people hurt you or malign you, they will reap what they sow. It's inevitable because God is not mocked. But you have got to trust God and his faithfulness to settle the score. To me, the greatest example of this would absolutely have to be Jesus. In 1 Peter 2.23, the Bible says this, Jesus never answered back when insulted. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Friends, the scriptures are clear. God judges fairly. Jesus says, I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to leave that in the hands of my heavenly Father because God is faithful to settle the score. Number four, I can depend on God to reward my generosity. I can depend upon God to reward my generosity. Luke 6.38 says this, a familiar verse, give and it will be given to you. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, friends, let me be very clear. This is not positive thinking. This is not the prosperity doctrine, which is an error and a heresy. Jesus said this, not some hyped-up TV evangelist. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Jesus, friends, does not lie. So I can be confident that when I'm generous, God will reward my generosity. 
Friends, there are more promises in the Bible relating to having a giving spirit than any other topic. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.9, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. That's not the dregs, it's the first fruits. So right off the top, I give first fruits back to him in gratitude for what he's done. In faithfulness, um, with, uh, with a thankful heart, and also with a sense of faith looking into the future. And it says he will bless your life. Friends, you cannot ever outgive God because there are really only two types of people in this world. Number one, are they givers? And number two, are they takers? Takers are miserable. Misers are miserable. See the similarity in the word miserable. Generous living and generous people are the happiest people in the world. Even secular psychology would underscore that with hard research. When you are giving your life away, when you are giving your time away for the kingdom, when you're giving your energy away to extend God's purposes on this earth, when you give your money away, when you're being generous and giving to others, the Bible says this, notice, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Proverbs 22.9 Friends, I can be faithful, therefore counting on God to reward my generosity, because God is faithful. He will always keep his promise. When he says things like this in Luke 6.38, Give, and it will be given to you with the same measure you use it, it will be measured. It's a promise of God, just like every other promise in the Bible. You can count on it, because God does not lie. So if you haven't learned to be a generous person, friend, you're just cheating yourself. Number five of the six. Fifth, I can depend on God to keep me saved. I can depend on God to keep me saved. You see, once I've committed my life to Jesus Christ and I've trusted him for my salvation, I've said, I know there's no way I can work my way to heaven. I can't earn it. I'm trusting you and I want to accept your free gift of salvation. I want to know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And I want to be sure of that. I don't need to constantly worry about my salvation. You know why? Because I didn't earn it in the first place. The good news is it's a free gift. 1 Corinthians 1.8 God guarantees right up to the end that you'll be counted free from all guilt on the day when he returns. God will surely do this for you. And the rest of the verse says this, because he always does what he promises. God is faithful. So God guarantees what he starts in your life, he will finish. And he'll do this for you. Circle for you in that verse. You don't do it, he does it. It's his sustaining power. Man, if it depended upon my staying power, it'd be very frail and fickle. Maybe yours too. But God is consistent. If I had to earn my salvation, then I could lose it literally overnight. If I had to work for it, then obviously, the moment I start working, I lose it. But since I'm saved by grace, and therefore I am kept by grace, 
I was saved by God's power and therefore, not my power, therefore his power has the power to keep me saved. Friends, sometimes I meet some Christians who have zero or no assurance that they are saved and going to heaven. You can know, friends, without a shadow of a doubt that once you've placed your life in Christ's hands, that God guarantees that he'll take you all the way through to the end. Now, some people think, well, why happens if I sin, if I slip, if I fall back? Well, here's the news. It's not a matter of if, it's when, because we all do. Nobody's perfect. No Christian is perfect. We all blow it. If I sin, the question really is phrased, if I sin, am I going to lose my salvation? So, with that thought, let's look at 2 Timothy 2.13. The Bible says, if we are faithless, we're lacking faith there. He will remain faithful. What a contrast. For God cannot disown himself. And again, Jesus says this in John 10.28. I give them. Who's the gift from? I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hands. So, well, you say, well, what if I want to snatch myself away? Well, you may let go. But he doesn't. Because his love is everlasting. Isn't that good news? He does the keeping. I don't do the keeping. He does it because God is a faithful God. Number six. Because God is faithful, I can depend upon him to remember my service. I can depend upon God to remember my service. Whenever you're doing something that you know is right, And you know it's a good thing, but you don't feel like anybody around the place is noticing. Have you ever felt like saying, well, what's the use? I know I'm doing the right thing in my family or at work, but nobody seems to notice and it doesn't seem to make any difference. And people don't care if I do the right thing or not. So why even bother? Some of you women say, well, my husband or my kids, they don't even appreciate or notice the work that I do. I'm taken for granted. Some of you say when I get to work, I'm a, I'm a, I show up at work on time, I don't steal from the boss, I work hard, I have integrity, I don't abuse the relationships, but my boss doesn't care less. And I'm not appreciated, so why should I bother? Well, the Bible says this, this will encourage you, that God notices whatever you do. He remembers every good thing that you do. Here's Hebrews 6. Verse 10 in the Phillips translation says, God is not unfair and he will not forget all that you've done, nor the loving labor which you have shown for his sake in, in what? In looking after fellow Christians. Looking after the family. Circle, not forget. Now, I thank God for many of you who minister here at this church. You're not spectators sitting in the seats. You are active participants. You work in many different areas. You're volunteers. You're involved. You host a small group. You're involved in the sound or you're in the greeters or the hospitality. And you help sit up and take down all the chairs. And you work in the office area, or you're running the creche, or you're teaching in the sparkles, or all-stars, or youth, or you're invested in the young adults. 
Some of you even help out taking meals to people in their times of need. And you do hospital visitation and on and on and on. Some of you involved in the prayer ministry. Now sometimes you may be tempted to think you don't have time to do all this. That your schedule is busy. And you may not have time, you think, to give an hour a week to your church. But you do it anyway. Friends, this is what I want to say to you. God takes notice. And he remembers and he will reward you for your generous gift of your life as a living sacrifice to him. And he will reward you because he is a faithful God. And he rewards our good when we serve him. So the question then arises, how are you using your talent for God? He didn't just give you the talent just to make a ton of money. He gave you a talent to minister, to serve and to strengthen his church. So how much time are you giving for the Lord's purposes? Or is all your time and balance, when you look at it objectively, spent on yourself? In other words, do you do anything of community service or service in your church or in some other way? Friends, if you're not serving in any capacity, what sort of reward do you think you're going to get? But the Bible says he rewards us for our service. And here's the truth. No service, no reward. No, nothing to do with salvation. Nothing. You're saved by grace and grace alone. But from the root of faith, works will grow. Friends, there are hundreds and hundreds of promises in the Bible. And I just today picked six of them. But they're not for everybody. They're not at all. They're exclusive. They're only for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Son of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. In other words, they will never be broken. They will never fail. Friends, Christ is the key to the promises of God. It's our relationship to him that unlocks all of these promises. If you do not have a relationship to Christ, you cannot claim these promises for forgiveness and for blessing. But they are Yes, in Christ. And that is a starting point. So I asked the question when we started, can God be trusted? Can I trust God with my life? Well, definitely, yes, you can. It is the smartest and wisest decision that you'll ever make to give your life to God. Because God is holy, he will never lie to me. Because God is just, he always does what's right and fear. And because he's faithful, he never breaks a promise. So, one more promise. Romans 10, 11, and 13. The Bible says this, for the scripture tells us that no one who believes in Christ will be disappointed. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's a good question. Have you done that? If not, why don't you do that today? Call upon the name of the Lord because he's promised that you will be saved. There it is right there. He says, whoever does this will not be disappointed. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. And if you haven't done it, do it today. Those of you who have already made that decision that you are Christians. And you say, I have been claiming a promise, but yet I haven't seen that result yet. Would you hang on? Because never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. 
Hang in there. So that just like Joshua, you can say, not one of his promises has ever failed. Now, one of the marks of a mature Christian is to trust the faithfulness of God. And the next step he wants of you is to become a faithful person. Would you be like God? To be like Christ-like? Like Father, like Son. God is faithful. And he wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be faithful to your family. He wants you to be a faithful worker. He wants you to be faithful to your church. He wants you to be faithful in your giving and in the disciplining of your children. So the commitments you make, he wants you to keep because it pleases him when we are like him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I invite you to follow me in a prayer of commitment right now. Would you pray, God, I know I can never earn forgiveness. Because you are faithful and you're just, and because you promised it, I ask you to forgive the things that I've done wrong. And right now, if God brings to your mind something specific to mind, just mention it. He can read your mind and your thoughts. And just say, God, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And I want to turn away from that. Friend, you can depend upon God to forgive your sins. There is no need for anyone to be weighed down under the load of guilt. Ask Christ to forgive you. Now, some of you are facing major decisions. Friend, you can depend upon God to give you guidance. Just say to him, I'm going to trust you. Lord, with all of my heart, I'm going to trust you to show me the way. And as you read God's word and get godly counsel, it will become clear to you the way ahead. Some of you listening to this have been hurt in the past, and you need to say to God, I depend upon you to settle the score. Friend, resentment will never sort the situation out. Resentment never hurts them. It only hurts you. So let it go and let God settle the score. Don't take matters into your own hands, and remember and be inspired and learn from how Jesus never answered back when he was insulted. He left his case in the hands of God. So the Bible says you can depend upon God to reward your generosity. So for your own sake, commit yourself to giving your first fruits back to God, as the Bible teaches. And just say something like, Lord, help me to become not a taker in this world, but a giver of my time, a giver of my life. A giver of myself, a giver of my money, and to be a generous and giving person. Some of you need to know that you can depend upon God to keep you safe until you see him face to face. Would you, if that's you, just relax and say, Thank you, God, that my salvation does not depend upon my efforts. It's secure today, and I recognize that. It is you that will make sure that I will make it to heaven. And that is a wonderful, faithful promise. Friends, remember too that God is faithful to remember your service. So would you offer yourself to him afresh this morning as a living sacrifice and a tool in your hand and say, Lord, I'm available. I want to give myself to you and I want to serve you because I know that nothing I do for you is ever wasted. The Lord has good works already planned for you ahead of time. So say, Lord, help me to remember that it always matters to you, even if nobody else notices. And that all the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Friends, if you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, why not do it right now? And just say, Father, you promised 
I therefore call on your son's name, Jesus, that you'll save me. So I do that right now. You promised to come into my life, so I invite you into my life. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are faithful and that your church throughout history is a testimony to your faithfulness and to how you've been with your family, guiding us step by step all the way. We just want to say we trust you implicitly and completely to guide us in the future. Give each of us personally this week a sense of your presence and your guidance. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. God bless. Thanks, team.